Hello, everyone. I am Neil Abt, Editorial Director of Transport Topics. I want to welcome you to the first Live on Web event for 2015. Today, I will be discussing a number of driver issues, including recru recruiting and training, retention and compensation, with a powerhouse panel we have put together. The chat is sponsored by EBE Technologies and Lytics. Information about these trucking industry suppliers can be found at the bottom of this page. Before we begin, I want to thank the many viewers who sent in their questions and comments in the days leading up to today's chat, in one case from as far away as New Zealand. We will be addressing many of these during the chat and are setting time aside at the end of the program to answer others. If you would like to interact with us live today, you can do so by emailing us at share at ttnews.com or commenting within this article page. Now, let me introduce the panel. We have Rip Watson, senior TT business reporter, who many of you may remember from our last chat. We have Alfonso Lewis. He is a longtime driver for YRC Freight, who is also a captain of America's road team. He is a former grand champion of the National Truck Driver Championships, Truck Driving Championships, and a military veteran. Finally, we are joined by Kevin Birch, the president of Jet Express in Dayton, Ohio. Jet Express uses the mix of company drivers and owner operators and is heavily involved in the just-in-time automotive industry. Kevin has received numerous awards for his efforts in improving the trucking industry's image. Okay, let's begin. And we're going to start with some breaking news out of Washington. Uh, FMCSA was speaking at the Transportation Research Board annual meeting this morning. Uh, our reporter Eugene Malera was there. Uh, he, a short time ago, he filed a, a story with us, which he's going to flush out later, that's on our website. Uh, FMCSA said that they're going to award a contract later this month to get started on the hours of service research they've been ordered to do in relation to the restart uh, provision that has been suspended at least through the end of this fiscal year, which is September 30th. Kevin, I want to start with you. First of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Pleasure to be here, Neil. Thanks. Uh, we've talked a number of times about uh, hours of service. I know you have been uh, vocal about some of the productivity <coughs> problems involving the restart and some of the driver shortage uh, issues that, that um, are related to that. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of update on hours of service. Sure. Well, you know, we got really our Christmas gift uh, right at the end of the year because there was a, a, a hard-fought uh, uh, grassroots efforts, if you will, Neil, to, to get the hours of service, uh, I don't want to say amended, but a stay, if you will, on a couple of the rules. Uh, <clears throat> the two uh, issues, the 168-hour, the restart, and two consecutive uh, days between 1 and uh, 5 that you have to be off. Um, I don't think, and, and uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, I don't think they, they realized the effect that would be. I mean, there was an after effect that all of a sudden productivity was involved in that. And, you know, we're still feeling the effects of uh, 2007, 2008. It, doesn't, it didn't seem right to have uh, more drivers hauling the same amount of freight because of these rules that, that they really didn't anticipate. So I'm really pleased that we've got this study underway because... Uh, Ann Farrell, former uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration uh, deputy there, she, uh, administrator, she made it a point that uh, it wouldn't affect salaries. Now, Alfonso, he's, uh, you know, with uh, YRC, uh, in the same token, uh, he probably isn't affected by the hours of service on some of those changes, but many of us were. And uh, it was going to create more uh, more trucks on the road to handle the same amount of freight. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. Uh, you've, you've, uh, you're in a, in a story of hours in the current print edition. Taking a look at um, 
where some of the benefits can come in involving the, the additional flexibility with the restart. Might not have happened over the holidays, but you sort of laid out for us, uh, maybe you could share with the viewers an example of, uh, of where some of these gains could come back uh, through the flexibility. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of carriers today uh, are, are after dedicated freight. I mean, that's what people want to schedule, and that, uh, that goes back to re recruitment and retention issues. But when you have a dedicated run for a customer and you're mandated under contract to handle it, say, for six days, let's say uh, the economy picks up and they want to work overtime, those particular cases uh, under the hours of service uh, prohibited uh, us to use drivers that were driving uh, safely for years and working on a Saturday and this new rule came across and said that they could not work. So some of the older drivers, uh, Neil, decided to, uh, guess what, retire, uh, sell their truck. They couldn't make any money. That was the money that they had to reinvest back into their, mm -hmm. their trucks. And as from a company standpoint, it uh, took revenue, uh, revenue away from many of us that own trucking companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, in saying that, in January, we're starting to see scheduled Saturdays. Uh, Four months ago, we wouldn't have been able to, to work on those days, and now we are. So uh, it, it's truly a win-win-win for everybody on this, and, and I look forward to uh, uh, seeing what happens out of the study. Well, I know that hours of service will uh, be a topic that won't be going away anytime soon. That you know, I'm sure it will be plenty of coverage on, on our website out of TRB, and uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking more about hours of service on Live on Webs uh, throughout 2015. Let's turn to, I guess, today's main topic, which is uh, driver shortage and retention. Uh, there are a lot of numbers out there about how big is a driver shortage, how big might it be. Uh, not every number matches up, but what's clear is uh, they're scary figures. Everyone agrees with that. I, I know one that circulates a lot, projects maybe as many as 240,000 drivers by 2022 may be needed. Uh, it also comes as no surprise to us here that more emails really dealt with the shortage issue and how to tackle it as we enter 2015 than any other topic. I'm going to stick with Kevin for a minute. Uh, many of these emails <coughs> circulated uh, uh, were about what is something new I could do? What is the best recruiting strategy? Where is a place to better advertise than in the past? What do I need to do to entice a new driver? That was a word used multiple times, entice. Are there are operational changes that we as a fleet need to make. We had one from Lauren Howard of Celadon inquiring, how do we go about transforming this into a career rather than a job? Uh, it, that is a, a lot of information came out of us, many different ways to attack this. It, that all illustrates what a problem this really is. Turn it to you. What, what, what great solutions, uh, what advice could you give someone that's trying to try something new in 2015? You know, Neil, you could do a whole uh, half a day on this subject. I mean, what you just said is what us uh, owners and, and, and uh, uh, drivers look at all the time. Some, some people today, I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie and, and listen to a lot of radio, talk radio. There are people in our industry that think that we never had a driver shortage. So that, that's just a fallacy. This subject of driver shortage is all across the board. And uh, there isn't any secret uh, weapon or solution to it. But, Neil, I will say this. Back in 07 and 08, uh, I saw at least the driver shortage because I uh, mentioned many times the, dri the uh, perfect storm scenario. Uh, we are an aging workforce. I mean, every year, I mean, it is, it's sad, but at our company, it's, it's 56 or 57 years old. But we're like other industries, like nurses and, and, and other professions. But in saying that, we haven't done a bad job on driver entry. We've done a pathetically poor job. We just don't 
want to get people into this industry and as leaders and uh, we've got to communicate and that's why I said in my last you know a couple of years that I'm going to be in, involved in the industry give back a little bit we need to get the interest back in and tell people what we do why we do it and how important it is so let's go back to the perfect storm aging workforce uh, just terrible driver entry programs and then we get the economy picking up as you well know uh, Neil we uh, lose uh, a lot of drivers to construction so construction's picking up and uh, then you dabble in this thing called the CSA and some other government regulations and you sprinkle that in the, and then you stir it all up you've got a storm and the, the end result is after all these years we've got a driver shortage and you know this didn't happen overnight but I'm here to tell you we're right in the middle of it and it's it's here and we're all trying to deal with it and that's why freight rates are up shippers are saying guess what I better take care of my carrier mm -hmm. because um, there's not as many people I can use and they're seeing the rates go up so you know that story you know we could talk to the cows come home but it, it, mm -hmm. it faces every one of the drivers everybody involved in this industry that there is a driver shortage but it's who you talk to as to how severe it is mm -hmm. but to many of us it's real-time let me turn to uh, Alfonso. Many emails that came in were, were somewhat directed uh, at you in, in your position uh, as a public figure driver, as America's, America's road team captain, something we're going to talk a little bit uh, more about uh, as we uh, go on today. But um, they thought maybe you had some advice to share in terms of your interaction with this younger generation to replace, as Kevin said, some of the uh, some of the. Uh, older generation that may be retiring. As you interact, uh, encourage people to get involved, or uh, if they're asking you questions, what if please want to know if there's something they might be missing in terms of how they can go about getting noticed by this younger generation. Yeah. And, and also welcome. I thank want to you. thank you also thank you. for participating. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Kevin, and I think this has been a storm that's been you know, a long time coming. And I think we've maybe been just a little uh, slow to react you know, to it. Uh, as far as getting young drivers, uh, you know, it's got to be attractive. You got to attract these young guys, uh, young ladies uh, into the in industry. It's like we, uh, you know, as young people, you see your parents are already, always encouraging their kids to become doctors, uh, mm -hmm. become lawyers or, uh, or whatever. Why are we not encouraging these people to become professional drivers? This is a great career you know, that provides a uh, uh, great, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a great uh, opportunity opportunity for your home life mm. uh, to raise your kids and send your kids to college. Uh, I think one of the most important parts of it, especially to get these young people in, new drivers, and to retra uh, retain drivers, is going to be uh, family time, home time. And we spoke about it yesterday to a couple of drivers, and I was, you know, asking them. And it's not just home time; it's quality home time, you know, with your family. You think about it; you got young people, got kids who are uh, 12, 13 years old, playing soccer, playing football, baseball. As a father coming up myself, one thing I wanted to do, even though I, I love driving, but one thing I wanted to do was to be able to during the week be able to see my son play. Uh, come home and be with my wife, you know, to share those times because they are raising families. So I think the industry has to focus on and understand that these are uh, family-oriented people. So it might not be 
just, hey, I got you home X hours or X days. It's, maybe it's a working together of can we somehow coordinate, whether it's a game, a recital, a event, a family birthday party, whatever it is, to be a little exactly. bit more involved in the interaction of, exactly. of someone's life in terms of the responsibilities. I can give you a perfect example. I was young, uh, young in the industry, maybe 15 years, and my son playing ball. And uh, my dispatcher will allow me the opportunity to come in a little early. I'm a, I'm a local driver, so I'm fortunate in that area. But I would come in a little earlier, get off early enough, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever, that time of day, to go see my son play ball. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought that was a dedication from them to me to relax that schedule while mm -hmm. I was able to do that. So, you know, that makes me take pride in the company itself. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I want to stay there. Kevin, I want to come back to you. A number mm -hmm. of uh, questions uh, surrounded understanding owner-operators and company drivers, whether it be a transition from one to the other, whether it be how to manage, recruit, target one group versus uh, uh, target both groups and balance both groups. Mm -hmm. I know that is something that you deal with with mm -hmm. uh, Jet Express uh, with a lot of interest out there surrounding that particular issue. Maybe you can speak a little bit how you go about uh, balancing that. Thank you, Neil. I'd be more than happy to. You know, it's interesting. I think in today's world, you have to give a lot of options to drivers. And um, what we try to do, and, and I know there's a lot of other carriers out there doing the same thing, we've, we've kept a model that works, and it's an owner-operator, 70%, 30% uh, company. So I can truly speak out of both sides of my mouth in the fact that one's got a different pay schedule, benefit program, maybe uh, trucks and whatnot, and you've got your owner-operators. But, uh, you know, I've always often said at 70%, that is the backbone of our uh, company. And really in trucking, uh, especially like in truckload, uh, the owner-operator for years and, and still today is considered the backbone. And in saying that, uh, every month you see more and more that are either selling their trucks to some foreign country or getting out of the business. And, uh, and I guess what I'm circling back on we had a situation where we had a, a, a company driver, and they do switch back and forth. They've got to give us plenty of time to go back, you know, notification. But he really wasn't uh, a bad driver, but he wasn't an, uh, an outstanding driver. So let's rate him as a 7 or an 8 as a company driver. And uh, he came to management and said, I'm going to buy a truck. So, you know, we, those are opportunities because when somebody wants to leave our company, I, I wish them well, and I hope that and many times they do come back. But you always have to promote your drivers and, and wherever they want to go. They may be into another, you know, maybe into the shop or maybe another jo uh, job opportunity. But let's go back to the story where a driver was a, a seven. And he went to the bank and he bought a truck and everybody thought he probably wouldn't make it. I'm here to tell you that, that driver turned out to be one of our best owner operators. Uh, it, he didn't want to work Saturday as a company person, but he sure wanted to move the freight with his truck on a Saturday. He didn't want to crank the dollies down, Alfonso, you know. He didn't want to back it into the dock so much. But when he was an owner-operator, he took pride in what he did. And uh, so, you know, you, you have to let – you can't tell drivers what's in their head. You've got to let them tell you. And, and we've, the management's got to listen to drivers. That's a great, that's a great you point. You agree on that? I completely agree with that. You know, in talking to you guys, uh, we were trying to figure out what was the uh, priority. You know, was it home time, was it pay, and was it respect? Well, home time came first. Pay and respect was right there tied. You know, you respect the driver. Right. I mean, and it's an individual thing. When you, you respect a driver, you know, that makes that driver want to do more for you. He wants to work harder. You know, he's going to go the extra mile. 
you know, it's all about communications. Years ago, we had uh, my office is pretty close to dispatch, uh, Neil, and and there was a driver, fairly new driver. He was uh, six four, six five, and he I, he was com he wasn't complaining. He was telling our dispatch, "Hey, listen, that, that tractor you gave me going up to Detroit, I was a little bit cramped in there. Matter of fact, I had a hard time, uh, you know, kind of getting in and getting out, let alone staying in there, all mm -hmm. hunched over and whatnot." And uh, the dispatcher said, "Hey, listen, you don't make the payments on that. It's not your truck. Just if you don't want it, then." You know, you may, maybe need to go somewhere else. Well, I overheard that when over there, and I told the dispatcher that chair you're sitting in, maybe if that doesn't fit your body or or whatnot, and you're in it because we're 24/7. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to tell you that that chair that uh, you've got to sit at answering the phones for the next eight, eight nine hours that uh, if you don't like that chair, I guess uh, you better go home, take it or leave mm -hmm. it. So that's that communication, Alfonso. Mm -hmm. We talked about that earlier. Exactly. That, you know, a lot of it isn't still. People say they communicate, but do they? Do they really ask what, what's going on? It's changed over the years, I'll tell you that. I can, I can it has improved. Back, oh, it has improved. I can think back 20 years ago. It was, um, it was almost like, well, you, exactly like you were saying. If it didn't fit the driver and the driver wasn't happy with it, well, I got another driver waiting to get in your seat. You know? But nowadays, it's more of a, even if you call me by my name or just tell me good morning, you know, thanks for the job you've done or something, Occasionally during the week, you know, that makes the driver feel better. He wants, as I said before, wants to work harder, wants to go the extra mile for you. So uh, that respect just really goes a long way right. in making it personal with well, that driver. You know, you said earlier about family. Family is important to so many of us. And if a driver, during orientation, and this might be a suggestion for carriers out there, during orientation, a lot of times drivers say, well, I never get the time off, or they, you know, they won't let me have it. You know, if a driver comes to the dispatch and says, next Tuesday at 4 o'clock, my son or daughter is playing in the game, you know what, we're going to make it happen. But if you tell us on Monday at 4 o'clock that I need off tomorrow, you may not get that request fulfilled. So, I mean, that's, that's got to be communicated from the get-go. And when drivers know that they can do that, it's not an absolute no, you can't have because you're busy, you know, the trucking is busy right now. But they know that there's a possibility if they give them notice, it works. That's all about communication. Yeah. So and they know you tried. Yeah. Would this yeah. this be an example of a couple of questions surrounded building loyalty among uh, drivers uh, beyond pay? Uh, what are the ways to build loyalty? It was one that was asked a few times. I guess you're laying out examples of, uh, of what fleets might be able to do uh, in terms of this interaction and communication that, that might go to that and maybe help them with some of the uh, turnover and retention. Right. Uh, you're watching live on web. We're, we're talking the driver shortage today. Just want to remind everyone that they can interact with us. They can comment on this article page. They can also send emails to share at ttnews.com. Uh, we just want to get into a few other things that were uh, uh, asked about, commented about, and talking about shortage and retention. And just right after that, we're going to bring Rip in to talk a little bit about driver pay as well. Uh, one uh, train of thought that some people had was about uh, training. A driver training, the need to uh, uh, find some more funding with training to improve the training process. Uh, they felt that that might be the best way to tackle the shortage problem. We had some tr uh, some tr truck driver trainers saying we do have some connection with some fleets connecting applicants with jobs once they graduate the program, but they feel a little out of the loop and how could they improve that? Also heard from some maybe smaller fleets that felt they might be at a disadvantage without their own training schools. I'm wondering uh, if you have any advice, uh, gentlemen, about uh, about the training process, funding, uh, any suggestions about 
how to get uh, uh, the applicants through and maybe out on the road. Uh, I also know that there's some push to get some younger drivers below 21 and at least some sort of graduated program maybe you want to address as well. I don't know, how, how, how do you get the young drivers to, to stay involved? We were talking about that earlier, uh, between the ages of, uh, what, 19 and 20. You know, it's trying to f figure out how to keep them motivated and want to come into the industry. And uh, I think a marketing thing is, a, is maybe a big part of it. Uh, I mean, we got to advertise. These young people on, what, Facebook, Twitter, uh, if you advertise it to these young people, I believe you can keep them, you know, keep it on their mind. And, and when the time comes, uh, you know, when I was, I remember being young, uh, you know, 18, 19 years, years old, and I wanted to be a driver. And I, fortunately, I went into the military and I learned. And when I came out, it was still in me. At 21 years old, when these guys are prepared to go on, over the road, or, you know, uh, to get their CDLs, uh, that's, it's still in them. So it's just a, a point of getting them back into that truck, the or getting them into the truck. The use of technology, everyone you're dealing with out there, you, you mentioned Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. Pinterest, you could go on and on and on in mm -hmm. terms of uh, social media beyond just use of the internet. Uh, well, maybe there's one train of thinking, one train of thought that it might, some technology, especially in-cab technologies, may be uh, pushing a couple older drivers out maybe before their time. And in terms of some of the recruiting uh, uh, to address a shortage that more technology, especially on a social media aspect, needs to be completely embraced. Oh, yeah. They, you know, the young people uh, adapt to that very easily because, you know, they grew up with it. Mm -hmm. So they're going to adapt very easily to it. And, you know, I, even talking to the older drivers uh, that I've uh, dealt with, um, and I didn't come up with computers, you know, early on, but uh, they're so easy to get involved with and just a little training kind of helps you you know, flow right into it, and these guys really embrace it, mm. majority of people I've talked to. Uh, Kevin, you're heavily involved in the uh, image campaign, Trucking Moves America Forward, uh, and Alfonso was here uh, at ATA's uh, headquarters last month during a uh, Hiring Our Heroes announcement to target military veterans to uh, enter the industry and make the transition from military life to civilian uh, uh, truck driving easier. Some, of, uh, some people have reached out, Kevin, beyond these programs I just mentioned to say are there, we need to target other specific groups specifically. Uh, they referenced uh, women, they referenced Latinos, uh, also to maybe older married couples starting a, a second career that as opposed to, to breaking down, kind of drilling down a little deeper from where this image campaign is starting to really focus on some targeted groups and, and, and go after them. You know, it's a broad spectrum. If you if you take, I feel like taking a paintbrush and just painting. I mean, there's so many things that that we can look at to get drivers involved, males and females, and older couples and singles and and uh, the younger drivers, if you will. There's so many opportunities that uh, Trucking Moves America Forward. You know, is not quite a year old, and you know we've got a story to tell, not just the you know congressmen and and the local officials, but there's job opportunities, and you know it it. it just like the statistics, one out of 16 Americans are involved in this thing called trucking. I mean, whether it's at the fuel stops or the OEMs or the trailer manufacturers, the truck drivers, the dispatchers, I mean, we've got a, a story that we've just barely scratched. So now, case in point, I've got a neighbor that's got a, a son that's got $60,000 worth of uh, school loans, and uh, he wants to zero in on one subject. I told him a couple of years ago he should have bought a truck. <laughs> then By now he would have had two trucks on. And he'd be one of the, you know, an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, one thing that I've uh, never really figured out yet, um, I'm a Wolverine in a Buckeye state of Dayton, Ohio, and I did some research, and there's 1,100 uh, drivers with CDLs, 1,100 drivers that are 19, 20 years old, 18, 19, and 20. That's intra. So let's track those. Let's see what's going on with their record. And let's, there's 35 states within our uh, United States that has the intra rule. So what are those 1,100 people that are going up and down interstates such as I-75? I can drive, uh, have a driver, and we did, uh, Neil, from Dayton, Ohio to Toledo. It's 165 miles interstate. He does his work up there, unloads, reloads, comes back. But yet I can't send him to Richmond, Indiana. I can't go down into Kentucky or uh, Cincinnati. We've got to look at that. I know ATA is looking at the younger driver mm -hmm. issue, but we need in this industry qualified CDL because we don't want just anybody saying, well, I've got to do this. Well, they've got to be qualified because they represent the industry. And, you know, the road team is a good example. They are our talking pieces out there. Mm -hmm. And we've got to do a better job on that because we don't want young people going to the West Coast that have got just a few weeks of experience. Finishing schools, whatever you want to call them, those are, 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 are great things. But for years, the government paid for people to get a license, if you will, and they never had any intention of being mm -hmm. a truck driver. And they went through a, a school that was maybe three or four weeks. You know, it, I wouldn't want somebody with just that little experience behind the wheel. It's, that's not what it's about. It's about a plan, procedure, structure, daylight hours, mentorship. At the end of the day, you realize, you know, give me a scorecard at the end of the day about my backing or about my pre-trip. Tell me about that stuff. That's what they need, not just hurrying up and go through a school. Okay. We're losing a lot more uh, drivers every day through retirement, and we're not, they're not in the schools. Mm. I mean, that's that imbalance. You don't want that. That number grant. of things going to have to, num number of factors need to come together. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to uh, shift a little bit more to uh, turnover and pay. Uh, I had asked Bob Costello, economist of the ATA who tracks turnover. He, he's working on the latest report, uh, which will cover the third quarter. Uh, in October, he put out the, the report for the second quarter. It showed turnover for both large and small truckload fleets uh, over 90%. Uh, LTL turnover, which is the space that uh, Alfonso operates in, that was only at 11%, and maybe we can briefly uh, get into why there is such a uh, disparity. Uh, uh, the uh, new report will be out soon, but Bob said there's really no reason to think from anything we've seen that, that uh, on the truckload turnover side, these numbers are going to get any better anytime soon. Uh, sometimes the uh, answer is believed to be pay, 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 pay. Uh, I guess um, one question is uh, where do rates need to be? Along with that, uh, Chris Palenz of uh, Warner, a vice president of recruiting there, asks us a question about sign-on bonuses. Do we expect them to grow? Uh, do we expect them uh, to, be to, to change into other types of pay? We also have heard from some people that are trying hiring bonuses. They don't feel that the, the hiring bonus is working. Once it's paid off, it's not solving the longer-term problem. So, this is complex. Let me bring Rip in first here. Uh, thank you for, for being patient for a few minutes uh, through this uh, interesting conversation. You cover uh, track pay and some uh, uh, demographics and, and a number of different issues in, related in, in relation to the uh, business side of, uh, of trucking and, and the drivers. Maybe you could bring our, our viewers up to speed as to what some of your reporting has shown and 
how it addresses the shortage issue as a whole. Let's start with the basics here. I think we need to thank Alfonso and Kevin both for making it really clear to uh, the viewers uh, that what we're talking about here is not just money. We're talking about a package and the way that drivers are being treated. And one way I think you can look at this is to look at uh, the larger carriers, uh, Werner being one of them, um, have often have hundreds of difference of different pay packages. I think what they're trying to do here is they're really looking at every single option to try to find something that will suit a particular driver. Um, I think if you look at the overall picture though, um, this is going to continue to be an incredibly difficult task. There may be some drivers who just want to run every single mile that they possibly can, mm -hmm. and there are going to be others who are going to want to be home. Uh, and you know, at laying over on top of that is the fact that with a shortage of drivers, we've got companies that have chosen to make some very substantial pay increases for their drivers. Uh, most recently, companies like Creek Carrier. Uh, we've been talking previously with companies like U.S. Express. These are double-digit pay increases. Now, you have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, why are people doing this? And what do they hope to gain from it? If you were to go to the average American and say, oh, here, here's a 15% pay increase, uh, some of them would probably faint. Uh, or they would go out, but on the other hand, there'd be some of them that would go out and be buying a new car. So the point here is, at least as I see it, is that we've got a situation out there where people are literally trying everything, including uh, sign-on bonuses, hiring bonuses. And I don't see how we're going to change that. Uh, if you offer someone more pay, um, what is the uh, consequence of that? They're going to be very happy, but chances are there's a competitor across the street who may be doing the same thing. Uh, there may be someone in another mode of uh, trucking, another piece of trucking, who uh, is going to uh, be feeling the consequences as somebody takes a pay increase, for example, if you look at uh, the, the van drivers, for example, uh, maybe they'll uh, decide that with a pay increase that they'll want to stay as van drivers and they won't try to want them to move to LTL. You know, we've really got an incredibly long and complicated story here. I did want to mention one other thing about the driver pay issue, an important thing that came out late last year through the National Transportation Institute is the fact that 42% of the fleets in the third quarter announced that they were raising pay or compensation in some fashion. Now, you consider that the previous high percentage was 11. That tells you the number of and the broad depths of the efforts here. Um, personally, I just think that changing from uh, a signing bonus to paying somebody a little bit more per mile or that kind of thing is something that's going to continue to be a trial and error because the trucking industry is so complex and you just can't figure that one solution is going to fix 
uh, everyone's problems. Thank you, Rip. Uh, some questions are coming in. Uh, I want to assure everyone we're going to do our best to get to them uh, a little bit later. Uh, some have deal with the pay issue, uh, some uh, on a number of different interesting issues. And, and thank you for uh, sending them in. I encourage you to uh, continue if we don't get to all of them. During the program today, we may uh, uh, hang around uh, after we sign off to address a, a few more of them and, and do a uh, live on web extra. We'll, we'll see how the rest of, of our time goes today. I want to turn back to Kevin and Alfonso in relation to some of the pay, some of some of the issues. Also, uh, want to uh, you know input some of the questions. How do we compete with uh, private fleets? Some of that that just tend to pay. Uh, uh, more. I know that we have a slide from uh, ATA's uh, compensation survey, I believe, in our system. Might be putting up that they, they are, they receive more base pay and it's just hard to compete. Uh, a couple other of the comments came with a general feeling of do we need to change the way it's discussed, whether it's about total compensation, uh, how do we create a better sense of financial security um, in terms of how pay is generally discussed uh, so I'd open up to either of you, and also one other thing I should mention, there were a lot of inquiries about different pay packages. Uh, so with that said, I know there are some differences in how, uh, uh, between the LTO and, and Jet Express. I just would see if you have any, uh, any feedback, uh, advice in terms of this pay issue, which clearly is part of this equation. Well, the, the pay, uh, increase in pays and the hiring bonuses, just me and my personal opinion, it only opens the door. It's, you know, it kind of opens the door. If you don't have the uh, uh, stability, uh, the res as we talked earlier, respecting the drivers, you don't give them the family time. You know, you open that door, and then it's it's almost for a driver like you open it, let me walk in, and then you close it. In a sense, because mm. you, you you left me there. You didn't you didn't give me anything else. Um, I just think quality time with family you gotta it's gotta be family oriented I, I, that's just a big thing for me it's gotta be family oriented when, even when you talk to drivers pay it was not the number one thing the ones I've talked to pay was not the number one thing uh, on their list it was all about uh, family time quality time with their families they understand they have to work I mean we all do but uh, family time was a uh, was real important I do, and I think the market basically, Chairman uh, Long at the ATA said it several times that uh, whatever the market bears, I think that's unfortunately that's the way uh, you know business operates nowadays. I, I think everybody wants a raise. Everybody, whether whatever job that you're at, Neil, I don't know when you got your last raise, but I'm sure you'd take a, a, a pay increase. Mm -hmm. We all do. And there might be times, but, you know, let's not forget, it wasn't that many years ago that uh, trucking was pretty tough. I mean, Bankruptcies were up. There was a lot of care. I mean, let's not forget, banks didn't want to give out any money. Matter of fact, line of credit. When I was with TCA, I had people call me saying, uh, you know, I've never hit my line of credit, but the bank's taking it away. Trucking was not really in an industry where you could get money. So there, I think there's still some of those uh, feelings there that people are, are being very cautious. But in saying that, shippers now are seeing the tightening, and now we are seeing increases. And as those increases happen, carriers across the country are giving uh, both union, non-union, uh, truckload, LTL, they're all getting some of those uh, increases, and those are being passed along. You know, when you think about it, we didn't know where fuel was. You know, fuel surcharge was a big issue because you couldn't stay on top of it. Fuel was going up so high you couldn't get the money. I mean, it was a 
it was a tough situation. Now it's gone the opposite way, but in saying that, uh, this driver shortage indirectly has uh, spurred the uh, rate increases. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, there for a while, rates were going down, not going up, and it's pretty tough when our you know, cost of trailers, equipment, trucks, even used trucks were going up. It's tough to give everybody and, and absorb those, and guess what, stay in business. So there's, it's a balance that it's tough for us uh, owners to, but once we get those raises, they're passed along. And we are seeing some increase in the different types of pay, whether it be different pay packages, whether it be how, how a driver is compensated. We are seeing a yeah. bit more of a, a, a widening uh, variety of different uh, methods. Yeah, and I think, too, that I think companies are getting smarter, Neil, on how they pay. You know, the compensation has never been number one. Let's say it's been in the top five, be realistic, uh, in the last 10, 12 years. But in saying that, I think companies are getting smarter that, okay, so here's the one that takes a lot of time, and they know that it takes a lot of time. They don't travel that many miles. Here's the pay package. A smart company will zero in. We never want to send a driver east if he doesn't know if he gets nervous around New York or the tollways and whatnot. Why do that? We don't send somebody to the mountains that have never had any experience. In the same token, we try to put a driver in a lane that works for his family time, the days he might want Thursdays off because of whatever, Boy Scouts or whatever. There are certain customers that don't ship on Thursday, so guess what we do? It's, I know it's seniority is important, but what we try to do is put the right driver in the right lane because then that just creates that win-win. Mm -hmm. So it's not to pay so much. That pay might be worth $20, $30 to him. I'm not sure. But we work with the shippers a lot of times to put the right person in. Uh, I, thank you, Kevin. I, I want to mention there are quite a few questions looking asking some specifics involving pay or, or shortage in, in certain areas, different types of pay packages. Um, I, I want to suggest Bob Costello, a senior economist for ATA, who was actually the first live on web guest that we had our first program last summer. He provided some assistance, uh, some information. He conducted a, a pay compensation study. Uh, I, I would recommend as one uh, option for people looking to obtain some of this information as they battle the shortage and retention problem. Uh, more information is available at uh, atabusinesssolutions.com. I uh, want to turn to maybe some lifestyle issues now. I'm going to start with Kevin. Besides uh, being um, a vice chairman of American Trucking Associations, a past chairman of the Truckload Carriers Association, uh, Kevin maybe can share some unique uh, experiences. Uh, he, he went sort of undercover a number of years ago uh, to uh, get his own CDL to go through the process. This is a story he shared with TT a number of years ago. We've, we've, we've looked for a forum just to uh, provide him an opportunity to, to share that experience, and I think we found it today. So if you could briefly share with us what that experience was like. Well, thanks, Neil. And, and some of my friends that might be uh, watching or, or listening in, uh, they've heard this story. But you know, in, in 2009, when I was going in as chairman of Truckload Carriers, I felt that for the last 40-some years that I was involved in the trucking industry, there was one thing I never got was the, uh, actually the CDL. So to make a long story short, before the, the show came out that was uh, undercover, boss, uh, I didn't want to go into a school, I was in Springfield, right outside of Dayton, I didn't want to go to the school and have somebody just arbitrarily go down the list and give me a check off that he did these deals at the school, and I didn't want any preferential treatment. But in saying that, so uh, it lasted about three weeks where I was able to stay undercover and watch my friendly competitors, uh, large and small, send their recruiters in. And I was recruited by a large carrier. 
why it was in there. So it was, it was kind of a neat story. Uh, and, and I tell you what, from it, uh, a lot has happened since then. And uh, I, I've always appreciated all drivers and anybody in this industry. But now when I shake a hand of a one-year veteran truck driver at our company or a 20-year, it, it has a different uh, feeling when I shake their hand now because now I know what they did to get that. Whereas before, you can say that you appreciate what they do, but do you really? So from that, uh, make, to finish the story, um, the test, I, I finally went through I, and I passed the written test and the pre-trip and I was on the road test and the uh, state administrator was sitting next to me with a pad and I was nervous, I was sweating and, and uh, I had, it was a 19-mile trip. 17 miles into it, I'm on a ramp and I can't find a gear. I'm out of gear, and I couldn't find it. And, and I remember my instructor saying, Kevin, no matter what, never be out of gear. And I couldn't find it. I'm grinding, and it's embarrassing. And uh, the instructor said, well, son, you need to take this back in because uh, out of gear is out of control, is automatic dismissal. You're done. And I was just going out to San Diego for an event and telling people about the fact that I was going to get my license. And he said, but Kevin, even if you would have found that gear, you took your hands off the steering wheel 16 times, pointing to things out there, the <laughs> cornfield and everything else. And I still have that report. So, and that's why drivers say, Kevin, when I see him on the road, don't wave at me. I'm not, now I understand, you're two hands on the wheel. But uh, true story, I went back and uh, practiced and got my CDL. And I have about 920 miles of safe driving. <laughs> and I told that to the road team guys last night, and I, they're, they're probably still laughing about it. Well, well, can I jump in here for please, just a second please. and say, first off, it's great that Kevin did what he did. Um, it seems to me that everybody who is out there in the shipper audience maybe should experience, get, in, get yourselves inside a truck sit in the sleeper just ride down the road for a little bit and try and just don't pr sit there behind your desk and try to figure out how to cut your rates by a quarter of a of a mill or something per mile get out get in the truck and see what these guys do and see just how much kevin uh, has accomplished and also much more importantly how much alfonso has accomplished it makes a difference knowing that uh, Kevin's done it, mm -hmm. or uh, uh, any CEO, uh, you know, YRC Freight, uh, YRC Worldwide. I remember Bill, well uh, excuse me, James Wells. He came and told us, "Yeah, we, I used to work on the dock. I know all about it." It makes that driver respect you more, knowing that you know what I go through on a daily basis. Right. I, I got a new, <coughs> new appreciation, Alfonso, uh, for a pre-trip because that can. You know, just like anything else, if you, the pre-trip inspection is so key. It's the start of your day. It's just like, you know, you're at your desk when you've got certain things organized, what you want to do, your Franklin planner, your whatever you got going on. That's important. And uh, I've got, like I said, new appreciation. And that's why I said when you get back, uh, Rip, about the pay, our drivers, there's not a driver that's, that's hauling America's freight today that does not deserve more money. And I think with the fact of these situations coming on now with the driver shortage and the tightening, getting back to this, you're definitely seeing that's going to happen. You saw it in 2014 in the beginning. You're going to see it more in, in 2015. And that will lead to more people interested in this, in this industry. No, it will, I'm sure. Um, we've actually heard it you know, at various conferences. We've heard people say um, drivers should be paid 50% more. Um, on average. I personally think 
uh, that, you know, this, as Kevin has pointed out, we've got an industry that has been struggling to get back on its financial feet, and it's not going to get back on its financial feet if all the money goes to the drivers. It's just a matter of we've got to have some balance. Right, and, and shipper awareness is so important, and I think we're getting smarter on that. We're getting smarter on selling our, our, our businesses as far as the freight lanes, uh, going in with a customer and, and letting them know. You know, driver appreciation, it, we, we already appreciate the drivers. We need to educate the shippers to appreciate them. Exactly. That's why I'm saying Trucking Moves America Forward is going to show that. Exactly. It goes to the shippers and the companies that are getting the freight and who are shipping the freight. Yeah. We yeah. received some questions both beforehand and, 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 and some that have, that have come in that have referenced a shipper role that they could play. Some asking what can we, we better do and some of the communication, whether it be detention, avoiding wow. detention time, uh, any number of things that you guys laid out. That was the biggest thing. The role here. Yeah, that was the biggest thing I've heard is about detention. Detention. Holding the driver up. You know, uh, LTL, we don't get it very much, but we hear a lot of uh, over-the-road drivers. Uh, they come in there at appointment at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then they're not through to 12, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you've wasted, you know, a good portion of that driver's day, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to be unloaded or be loaded. So before we get, I want to come back to life, so we're going to get to the question shortly. But while we have you here, Alfonso, I want to... Uh, Share with the audience why you're in, in our offices. You're, you are a member of America's Road Team. Yes, I am. You are completing uh, your second year, I guess, as an active captain. I guess you say once a America's Road Team captain, always, right? I'm, but I'm actually from 2011 2012. Oh, I'm sorry. It's no problem. There. And, and still here. So I'm you're a here. Senior. <laughs> you're helping the new team that will be selected either tonight or tomorrow. Tonight. The, the new two year will be formally announced tomorrow. There will be. Uh, information on our website, dtnews.com, about the announcement. Or maybe you could just give us a little bit of your experiences as a road team captain, what that is like, maybe even how it compares to being a truck driver. Well, you know, as a road team captain, it's a great opportunity just to get out and talk to the general public, you know, about trucking. It's an image, you know, image and outreach, out, uh, excuse me, outreach program. Uh, getting a positive image out about trucking, and it's great to have it coming from a driver, and being an America's Road Team captain is like, a, you all, we always say it's a highlight of our lives. It's a proud moment. It's a proud opportunity. You're representing millions of drivers out on our nation's highways. You know, we sometimes hear the negative things, but we're here to bring out that positive message, of, you know, about trucking. Uh, these last couple of days, we got the new candidates that are coming in. Like I said, I was in 2011. I can remember like it was yesterday of going through the same process. I know the nerves that they're going through. Uh, what uh, words of wisdom might you have given wow. some of them as, as <laughs> they, they go through some of the interviews, some of the process? Uh, well, some will make it, some will not. Maybe it'll yeah. be next time for, for some. All of them are, are clearly the yeah. upper echelon of drivers. What, what words of advice have you given These them? These are all top drivers. You know, They're all top drivers. First thing you always tell them just to be themselves. Uh, they enjoy what they do. They love being drivers. They want to get to the, uh, talk to the public. Uh, about trucking and, and promoting this industry. So you got to let them bring that out when they're doing their interviews or when they're doing the media or when they're doing their speeches. And you can see these guys uh, over these last two days, you can see these guys really start to come out. And uh, I know from what I've heard, the competition is very tight and, uh, because you've got, got a, lot of, a lot of great drivers there. So, so and 
America's Road Team, uh, just one of your accomplishments. Uh, I referenced earlier, you uh, were the grand champion of the National Truck Driving Championships. Uh, you uh, rang the opening bell of the Stock Exchange, uh, I believe, right? Yes. You, were, you were in the inaugural YRC Hall of Fame <laughs> a couple of years ago. You were one, I believe, of the first two inducted, right? You've one been the wire under the YRC umbrella 27 years. Yes, is that, is that yes correct? that's correct. So how, how does some of these, what was some of the biggest accomplishments, most exciting uh, out of some? We could probably spend the whole live on web just oh talking God. about all the experiences you've gone through in your career, and I think it would be very appropriate to call it a career in driving, uh, even apart from the, the prior military mm -hmm. service. Uh, w what are some of the accomplishments besides just going about your, your route every day that you've experienced during your career in trucking? Oh, wow. I've, I've, you know, I've competed at the state level several times. Uh, I won it three times in a row, I think 04, 05, 06, and 07. 07 obviously was a, a, a great year. <laughs> Getting to the nationals, uh, being named, you know, just being named the champion uh, of the four axle category that morning, I was, you know, I was happy. I was good to go, you know. And uh, that later that night when I was named as grand champion, I mean, it was like, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday, but I was just so overwhelmed. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you how I felt. And uh, thinking about it now, you know, even brings chills to me. <laughs> But uh, it was a great opportunity. Uh, uh, it's measuring them as far as America's road team captain and, and winning the nationals. They're, they're on the same plane. I, I, I can't put one above the other. You know. Kevin, you've had some interaction yeah. this I week with, uh, with a few of the drivers. I know you're going to be spending a, a few minutes with them later downtown. Maybe right. Maybe you want to mention or not. But what has your experience been this week? Well, you know, I, I want to paint a picture of what I, what I did yesterday, and there was 31 uh, uh, applicants, if you will, or finalists, and they were going to get it down to, I guess, 18 or 19. But, Neil, picture this, American Idol. It's the same thing. It happened about 15 minutes from here. You've got 31 drivers that are out there just talking about what am I going to say, how am I going to do it. These are drivers, I mean, when I looked at some of the profiles, I mean, 500,000, million, million two accident-free and all the things that they do and all the things that Alfonso just talked about. But picture, let's go back to American Idol. You go in the door and it's almost like Shark on, 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 that you see on uh, CNBC now where the door is open and you walk in and here's five judges. <laughs> Shark, and tank. Then, Shark Tank. Shark <laughs> Tank. Right, and then there's a chair, one lonely chair. And I, I was fortunate to ask a couple of questions, but I'm sitting here thinking, boy, the drivers drive the companies and here's a driver coming in sitting in a chair not knowing what the questions are going to be and he's got they've got mentors uh, that that uh, alfonso had a couple three didn't you that you mm -hmm. were mentoring mm -hmm. to prep them and then drill them with questions i mean it, it was american idol where you start singing or playing the guitar or, or tap dancing this is talking truck by a professional it was great and uh, i i this one my phil bird uh, uh, last year's chairman ata you know, he stands behind the drivers 100%. I know now what Phil was saying about you get in that road team or you get in there about seeing that. That's what it's all about. And that is what it's all about. It is. We're really proud of you and the road team for sure. Well, trust me, I enjoy it. I really do. We'll have uh, information tomorrow about the selection of the new team, and, and they'll be going down to the Volvo plant in Virginia to 
to get, I guess, some training and get started uh, with, with the new crop to get the message out there. Before I turn to questions, do you have something to add, Rip? I just wanted to add that it's fantastic what Alfonso has done. It's fantastic what Kevin has done in his company. I'd just like to throw this out from and say one out of 16 of American, Americans is in the trucking industry. It is an industry that's so vital to this country. It is an industry that has a long and proud heritage and a very safe heritage. Uh, we Maybe those of us who have been sitting around talking to each other need to follow the lead of folks like Alfonso and folks like Kevin and get out and talk to your neighbors, talk to your schools, uh, and tell people what the trucking industry is doing and how it really is a people industry at the bottom line. Yep. You know, that's a great, uh, Rip, that's a great point. I mean, that's a good way to kind of narrow, you know, towards the end of the program because Trucking Moves America Forward is trying to do that. It's not ATA-based. It's not the certain organization. It's for all truckers. But we have to tell our story. You know, I, I, I love wearing I Love My Trucks button. There's a reason why, because it's a, it's a conversation starter. And numerous times when I'm on an airplane, the stewardess will, you know, she'll chuckle and say, well, if you like trucks, how come you're on this plane? Well, believe it or not, Boeing, I think, had many of the parts brought in on a truck. And the beverages that she's putting in or taking out and getting ready, and that's what I tell them. It's knowledge, and that's what we need to do. You, you hit that spot on because we're just scratching the surface here, and if we want to get drivers in this industry where we can promote, I think Neil said earlier, one of the, one of the callers wanted to, you know, what's in it for a future. There's a lot of opportunities there. You can stay being a long-haul, short-haul driver. You can do a lot of different things. You can be a safety director. You can probably own the company if you wanted to. Those are opportunities, and we don't talk about them. Mm -hmm. So many times, and, and, and you just mentioned it, Neil, we, we don't say what we do. We just take our paycheck and say, well, we're, we're a trucker. We're more than a trucker. We move America. Well said. Uh, want to get to a couple questions. We are starting to run short on time. I know our guests have some busy schedules, both in terms of a uh, road team. Kevin ha has some uh, events downtown. I know tomorrow he's, uh, he's off, I believe, probably tonight to speak in Detroit tomorrow. Is that uh, correct? Leaving early tomorrow morning for the Detroit Auto Show. So we better get to a couple of these. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, at some point, look also on the computer, some that have come in and, and, and uh, be on the lookout. We may uh, stick around uh, and do a little extra couple that have come in, one, uh, Andrew Dondelinger, a, a VP of Emerging Technologies at Navistar, just inquiring about what mobile apps do drivers like to use the most. Also, uh, there was some question just, uh, Kevin, some that you might use. I know we've seen some smartphones around. Also, just a general question about uh, a fleets allowing or restricting use of certain apps that drivers want to use in the vehicle, tying it in in relation to some retention and, and recruiting. Any quick thoughts uh, on that? Well, I just know about the Facebook. Facebook and Twitter, I mean, you guys are on it all the time. I mean, not while they're driving, but they're on it, you know, when you're at home, when you're looking up information uh, about trucking. You know, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. You, you know, the yeah. younger generations bring this stuff about. Yeah, social media, as far as getting, you know, the information out, that's, you know, I, I can't really speak that uh, well on that because uh, I guess I'm old. You know, I'm <laughs> 60 years old. It's, it's kind of passed me by. I'm learning at it. But in saying that, Neil, um, one of the drivers, well, not one, several the other, uh, yesterday mentioned that one of the things that they really are upset about is distracted driving. So when you do talk about smartphones, let's talk about that for yeah. a second because that has caused a lot of issues. And that's, you know, when there's 
nobody wants to have an accident, but a lot of accidents are caused by distracted drivers, whether it's a truck driver. I still, you know, I'll call somebody up if I see them on the phone, don't have the headgear on. You know, that's a pretty good penalty. You don't hear too much about it, but it's the law. Seatbelts, the law. There's a reason for that, but there's a lot of distracted driving. So as far as the apps and whatnot, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, okay. Matter of fact, I'd like to go back to my old phone that's BlackBerry, but that's <laughs> it. No going back. No going back. Technology keeps going forward. Uh, Skip Yackel, the uh, principal engineer at Volvo, inquired about more productive vehicles, uh, which could help solve the driver shortage and, and fuel and, and other factors. So I wanted to widen that out a little bit more than just productive vehicles, but are there technologies maybe like a automated manual? transmissions that maybe uh, seem to be gaining more and more momentum and, and if that needs to be a, a part productive vehicles and this uh, equipment advancements need to be a serious part of the conversation automatics make a, make a big difference automatics make a big difference I've been driving standard I mean manual for the, for the longest and uh, I've got my opportunity to get into an automatic uh, several times and uh, it makes a huge difference on the driver and then comfort you know, comfort in the cab, that makes a big difference. Yeah, technology is great. And it, uh, as, as the economy improves and, and carriers get healthier, uh, uh, Neil, I, I, I can't help but think that more of that's going to happen. You know, there's a price to it right now. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, large screen TVs, the price comes down. A lot of that technology will come down. Mm -hmm. But uh, David Pohl, a pool transportation back there in Ohio, He's right on the leading edge of all of that. Any technology, he wants to try it and use it because he believes in it for recruiting and also uh, drives his costs down. So, uh, yeah, every company is a little bit different on that, but it's good stuff. Uh, there are technologies uh, that either Kevin, you use or, or that, that you guys, uh, maybe know without plugging anyone in particular, but how you go about monitoring that a new hire is doing the things that uh, he or she should do, maybe even before that, to predict what, what methods in terms of trying to predict who would uh, uh, be a good hire for the fleets, or, or, or you may say that this hey, this this is this person has uh, is going to make it. You know, there's so many technologies out there, and, and, and we're a medium-sized company. But let me just say this: we we ventured into a company, uh, Venomics, and it's it was a package deal because we all know that the hours of service, as far as the tracking of electronic uh, logging devices, it's going to come. We just don't know when. And there's going to be great improvements between now and when it becomes a law or the rule becomes uh, where everybody's got to abide by it. So in saying that, I wanted to get something, the, the best bang for my buck, and I think we all learned that. Venomics, in this particular case, has shifting patterns. And Alfonso, I, I know you've got, there's good drivers, but maybe not good, they don't shift well. Mm -hmm. That's wear and tear on the equipment, there's other issues on it. So we get immediate feedback you know, on a lot of that. So those are things, we're trying to get different things that are happening in real time so that we can bring the driver in. We can bring a mediocre driver and make him an excellent driver mm. So by, by their shifting patterns. And I think you go beyond technology, you go to the uh, driver trainer, uh, the, personal, the person who's training this guy when he comes into the company. You know, he can tell you a lot more about that driver who you're uh, trying to hire than that uh, any piece of equipment, I believe. I just think he can tell you more because his attitude, you know, how he's approaching what he's doing, you know, is he happy with what he's doing? Is he proud of it? You know, is this going to be a long-term driver or not, you know? I think the last question we have time for from Lorraine Browning of SWIFT is asking about what sort of research is being done or should be done to identify common characteristics among the most successful drivers, such as million-mile safe drivers, which many fleets uh, put on or on their own, 
Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts about what you see in terms of some of the, the grand champions or, or some of the, the, the safest drivers that are honored out there, or, or you can speak from your own experiences that maybe a, a fleet of all sides may, may want to look for, uh, or in addition, maybe just more ways to, to honor some of the, the best characteristics. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, wow. How do you honor the driver? <laughs> well, there are characteristics you see among the, this upper echelon of drivers that some of the road team captains they are from all I over. can just tell you from personal knowledge, they're, they're proud. Mm -hmm. They're proud of what they're doing. Uh, they're always driving to improve uh, as drivers. Um, you want to be the best. You know, you really want to be the best of the best. You're going to keep trying. And that's what I've been doing over my career. Is I've always wanted to be better and better. I enjoy training. You know, I mean, I enjoy getting training. Mm -hmm. The more training I get, the better I feel. And I think the better driver I can be. And so those are the kind of drivers I believe you're going to find who's going to be the best overall on the long term. Yeah. The ones who really, uh, when you offer training, they take it in. Or they go out themselves trying to get more and more training from you. Or from the company. Yeah, how cool is that? We've got America's road team champion, grand champion. He says, I want to be trained. I want, yeah. I want more. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, media is a great way to do it. And, and, and to answer the, the uh, person from Swift, take all your drivers and, and add up all the years of safe driving and get a hold of the media and say, by the way, our company drives X amount of millions of miles. Put those numbers in there. The media wants that information. And then get that out there. So that, that gets those drivers more involved in it. Yeah, the drivers like to see those numbers. They do, yeah. and they like they to see, to see their name. Numbers. They like yeah, to hear exactly. their name. Exactly. You know, there's a reason why Cheers was good on TV, because they know <laughs> they your name. Know your name. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we're going to begin to wrap up. Uh, I want to thank both Alfonso thank you. and Kevin for taking the time out of their busy schedules to take part in today's event. I also want to congratulate you on Ohio State's victory uh, thank last you. night. I, okay. I know you had a little wagered for a donation for the uh, image campaign. Past chairman, Mike Card, uh, send me that $100. <laughs> Appreciate that. Okay. Well, well you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> you don't mind me adding, roll tide. <laughs> okay, next year, next year. <laughs> I also want to thank Rip for sitting in with us and our entire production team for making this happen. We even have our photographer, John Summers, here to document today's uh, special events. Once again, we want to thank our sponsors, Lydix and EBE Technologies. A replay of this event will be uploaded to our website, ttnews.com, and to YouTube in the coming hours. We have created a survey so our viewers can provide us feedback and help improve our Live on Web programming. We encourage you to visit liveonweb.ttnews.com slash survey. You can also find a schedule of upcoming events at our Live on Web homepage. Finally, as some of you may know, TT Senior Features reporter Dan Berth is at home watching today as he recovers from a December 30th accident. We hope you are feeling better, Dan, and look forward for you, for you to return to the office soon. Once again, I am Neil Apt. Thank you for watching.